Recorded Books presents an unabridged recording of Varjak Paw by S.F. Said, narrated by George Guidel. Chapter One The Elder Paul was telling a story. It was a Jalal tale, one of the best. Varjak loved to hear his grandfather's tales of their famous ancestor, how Jalal fought the fiercest warrior cats, how he was the mightiest hunter, how he came out of Mesopotamia and traveled to the ends of the earth further than any cat had been before. But today, the elder Paw's tale just made Varjak restless. So what if Jalal had such exciting adventures? Varjak never would. Jalal had ended his days in the Contessa's house. His family of Mesopotamian blues had stayed here ever since. The old place must have been full of light and life in Jalal's time, generations ago. But now it was full of dust and musty smells. The windows were always closed, the doors locked. There was a garden, but it was surrounded by a high stone wall. Jalal was the last to cross it. In all the years since then, no one had ever left the Contessa's house. Now, no one except Varjak was even listening to the tale of Jalal's adventures. Father, mother, and Aunt Juni were dozing in the late afternoon light that trickled through the thick green windows. His big brother, Julius, was flexing his muscles. His cousin, Jasmine, was fiddling with her collar. His litter brothers, Jay, Jethro, and Jerome, were playing one of those kittenish games that Varjak could never see the point of and wasn't allowed to join in anyway. No one was looking at him. This was his chance. He'd been in the garden before, but the family didn't like it out there and never let him stay very long. Stealthy as Jalal himself, Varjak rose up and padded to the cat door. He could see the garden on the other side. He could almost feel the fresh air brushing through his whiskers. He nudged it open. Varjak Paul, it was father. Where do you think you're going? Varjak spun around. The tale was over. They'd woken up and seen him. But this time he wouldn't give in. Aren't we allowed in the garden now? He said. Sweetheart, said Mother, coming over and straightening his collar. The garden is a nasty, dirty place. You're a pedigree cat, a purebred Mesopotamian blue. What do you want out there? Barjak looked around at the stuffy furniture, the locked-up cupboards, the curtains he wasn't allowed to climb. He'd never been anywhere else, but this had to be the most boring place on earth. Hunting, he said. Aren't we supposed to hunt? The tales talk about... Tales, snorted his big brother Julius, green eyes glinting. It was said that their ancestor Jalal had green eyes. Everyone in the family had them, everyone but Varjak Paul. Tales are for kittens, scoffed Julius. Cousin Jasmine giggled. Varjak bristled. 
Jalal was a long, long time ago, said Mother, smoothing and grooming Varjak's silver-blue fur until he wriggled away. Anyway, Jalal came to live in the Contessa's house for a good reason. The tales also say there are monsters outside, huge monsters called dogs, so fierce that even people fear them. She shuddered. No, we're lucky that the Contessa loves us and lets us live here. The Contessa loves some of us, interrupted Julius. Varjak knew what was coming, and worse, he thought it might be true. When I was a kitten, boasted Julius, the Contessa was down here every day. She used to let me play on her lap. She made a fuss of me. But now she only ever comes down to feed us, and sometimes she doesn't even do that. In fact, we've hardly seen her at all since that funny-looking Varjak was born. Cousin Jasmine giggled again. This time, Varjak's litter brothers, Jay, Jethro, and Jerome, joined in. It's because of his eyes, added Julius, the color of danger. A Mesopotamian blue whose eyes aren't green, it's an embarrassment. That did it. Julius was bigger than him and older, but Varjak couldn't help it. He faced up to Julius, fur rising with anger. I don't believe you, he said. You're a liar. Varjak, said father, that's no way to talk to your brother. But Julius said, wine, 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 sneered Julius. Listen to the little insect whine. Julius, you shouldn't tease him so much, said father. The Contessa's upstairs because she's ill, nothing more. But Varjak Paw, you have to learn to behave like a proper Mesopotamian blue. We're noble cats, special cats. We don't run around calling each other liars. We don't talk about disgusting things like hunting. And we don't get our paws all muddy in the garden. That's not what being a blue is about. Do you understand? Varjak's tail curled up. It was always like this. Julius could get away with anything. But everything Varjak did was wrong. Your father's talking to you, said Aunt Junie sternly. Do you understand? He stared down at the cold stone floor, silent. There was nothing he could say. Fine, said Father. Suit yourself. But until you learn to act like a blue, there'll be no supper for you. He licked his chops. Come on, everyone, let's eat. They all headed down the corridor to the kitchen, leaving Varjak on his own in the hallway between the stairs and front door. Last to go was the elder paw, the head of the family. Don't worry, Varjak, he whispered so no one else could hear. I'll tell you another Jalal tale tonight, one about his greatest battle. He winked and then joined the rest of them. It made things a little better. Even if the tales made Varjak restless, he loved them. They were the closest he'd ever get to adventure in this place. He looked at the old wooden stairs covered in dusty carpet. The cats weren't allowed up there now the Contessa was ill. Her door was always shut. The whole house was like that. No one came in and no one went out. Nothing new or exciting ever happened. It was the dullest life a cat could have. Creak, 
The front door swung open. A blast of wind swirled in, sweeping all the dust into the air. Varjak's fur stood on end. Click, clack. Two shiny black shoes, each big as a cat, coming through the door. Heart racing, Varjak bent back his head to follow the line above the shoes, up a pair of legs, up some more. He saw huge white hands, huge enough to hold his old body, strong enough to break his neck. He had to crane back even further till it hurt to see the face. It was a man Varjak had never seen before. It was hard to make out the man's eyes for the shadows of his brow, but his full pink lips glistened wetly in the half-light. The lips creased and opened, and out came a voice that rumbled like thunder far above Varjak's head. The man strode into the hallway. Varjak felt dizzy. He looked down. By the man's shiny black shoes... There were two sleek black cats stalking into the Contessa's house. They were nothing like Mesopotamian blues. They looked much larger and stronger even than Father or Julius. And there was something frightening about the way they moved, as if they were two parts of one body working together perfectly. Too perfect. Varjak glanced from one to the other and couldn't tell them apart. They came right up to him and looked down at him with identical eyes, eyes as smooth and black as their fur. He trembled. Who are you? he said. There was no flicker of understanding in their eyes, no expression, nothing. They just pushed him aside as if he wasn't even there and took up positions flanking the staircase. And now other men came into the house. Their shiny black shoes clicked past Varjak one by one by one. It was all he could see of them. Frozen to the spot, mind spinning, he watched these giants pass the black cats, climb the stairs, and enter the room where the blues weren't allowed to go. Chapter 2 what should he do? Things like this just didn't happen in the Contessa's house. Tell the family. They'd know what to do. Varjak rushed down the corridor. He could feel two pairs of identical black eyes watching him. But the cats didn't follow. They stayed by the stairs, guarding the way up. Fear and confusion scorched through Varjak's veins as he turned the corner. He raced to the kitchen, fast as he could go, faster still. Who were these cats? Who were the men? What did they want? He skidded to a halt by the kitchen, hesitated by the doorway. Everything seemed so normal. The whole family was in there. They were eating supper, munching and crunching from rows of china bowls, neat and regular, bowls of food, bowls of water, round white saucers of full cream milk. He felt like a stranger watching from a distance. They looked so grand, with their perfectly groomed silver-blue fur, their green eyes, their tidy little collars around their necks. "'So you're ready to behave like a proper blue?' said Father. "'Very good.' "'Have you washed your paws?' said Mother. "'There are cats,' shouted Varjak. "'There are black cats in the house, and they—' "'Varjak,' said Mother. "'They came with a man.' "'Varjak,' said Father. "'He's gone up to the Contessa's room.' 
There was silence in the kitchen. The munching and crunching stopped. They all watched him. One great green accusing eye. I just don't understand him, muttered father. Why can't he be like everyone else? You haven't washed your paws, have you, sweetheart? said mother. She came over and started scrubbing. Varjak bit his tongue. No one believed a word he said. It wasn't fair. In the middle of his family, he felt friendless and alone. Come and eat with us, Varjak, said cousin Jasmine. The food's ever so nice. Jasmine's voice was cool and smooth, like milk in the morning. I don't want to eat, he tried to explain. There are black cats in the house. Oh, who cares what that little insect does, said Julius. I'll have Varjak's food. You have to eat to build your muscles. Julius puffed himself up and tucked into Varjak's bowl. Jasmine looked impressed. You hear that, Varjak? said father proudly. Julius is a proper Mesopotamian blue. Varjak bristled. Julius might be the family hero, but Varjak knew something no one else did, something important. How could he make them believe him? On Jalal's name, I swear it's true, he insisted. The cats are guarding the stairs right now. I looked into their eyes. He shivered at the memory. They're all black. Enough, yelled father. That's enough of these, these tales. He spat out the word tales with particular disgust. Ah, but some tales are true, said the elder Paul quietly. Why don't you show us, Varjak? Take us to the cats. Father scowled at the elder Paul, but kept quiet. The head of the family always had final say. Varjak's grandfather was getting old. His fine fur was almost all silver, and he seldom spoke up these days. But everyone listened when he did. Stomach knotted with nerves, Varjak led them down the corridor. He turned the corner into the hallway, just in time to glimpse a blur of movement by the front door. The first man was holding it open for the others. They were carrying something away. Down by their shoes, two black tails swished out of the house. The man shut the door as the rest of Varjak's family entered the hallway. They hadn't seen the others or the black cats. All they could see was the man. Why, it's a gentleman, said Mother. I remember when we were kittens, said Aunt Junie, there were ladies and gentlemen here every day. The Contessa always had visitors. They looked up the stairs. The Contessa's door was wide open. There was no one in her room. It was empty. Surprise rippled around the family. Not knowing what to think, they peered up at the gentleman, all except the elder Paul, who seemed thoughtful, as if he was trying to remember something. The gentleman pointed up at the Contessa's room and said something in his voice like thunder high above their heads. Then he crouched down, bringing himself closer to their level. His wet pink lips smiled at each of them in turn. Barjack glanced nervously at the front door. The black cats hadn't come back. He hoped they wouldn't. With a flourish, 
The gentleman brought something out of his pocket. He held it out on his waxy white hand and murmured to the family. Curious, they edged a little closer to see what it was. A toy mouse. Small, gray, furry. It was perfect in every way, so precisely detailed it could almost be alive. The gentleman placed it on the floor in front of them. Barjack sniffed the mouse. It even smelled real. A tingle of wonder ran through him. He'd always wanted to hunt a mouse. Let me see that, said father. He examined the toy. Amazing, he purred and batted it across to Julius. Julius flipped it stylishly through the air to Jay, to Jethro, to Jerome. They giggled. Barjack wondered if he'd get it back. Probably not. What a beautiful toy, said Mother. It's the best present we've ever had, cooed Jasmine. The gentleman smiled and stood up to his full height. He waved at them to follow as his shiny black shoes went clicking towards the kitchen. Jay, Jethro, and Jerome raced to be first beside him. Come on, said Father. Let's see what he's going to do next. In the kitchen, the gentleman was spooning something into their bowls. It was an oily black paste with a sharp, fishy smell. Varjak's nose wrinkled at it. Ugh, he said. That's caviar, whispered Mother, the rarest, most expensive food in the world. Treats like this are only given to the finest pedigree cats, purred Father. The gentleman knows how important we are. The man put the bowls back on the floor, heaped high with fishy food, and beamed down at them. His pink lips glistened as the cat started to sniff the caviar. He nodded, turned, and left the kitchen, smiling all the way. What was all the fuss about, Varjak? said Father, the moment he was gone. And that black cat nonsense. I am calling a family council, interrupted the elder paw. Now, everyone is to attend, even the kittens. But Elder Paul, protested Father, eyeing the bowls of caviar, family council is only for emergencies. It's now, repeated the Elder Paul. Now, in the front room. The Elder Paul strode away. Varjak glanced anxiously at Father's face. It was twisted with speechless rage. Chapter 3 Family council is now in session, declared the elder paw above the hubbub in the front room. Mother, father, and Aunt Junie were whispering to one another, huddled together on a rug so old it had lost its pattern and faded away. Julius and Jasmine were sitting behind them, nodding seriously as if they were grown-ups too. Jay, Jethro, and Jerome were fighting over the toy mouse, trying to push each other into the flames of the antique fireplace. At the elder Paw's words, they all settled down. Varjak was sitting quietly, on his own at the back, but his mind was burning. This was his first family council. From the Contessa's red velvet armchair, where he stood, the elder Paw began to speak. The family tales tell us that when our ancestor Jalal came out of Mesopotamia, 
He wandered the earth for many years before finding a home with the Contessa. Generations of Paws have lived in this house since Jalal's time. But those days may be coming to an end. I believe the Contessa is dead. The older cats gasped. They shot strange looks at one another and shook their heads. A log crackled loudly in the fireplace. The elder paw waited until it was quiet again to continue. She has seldom left her room of late, only to feed us and tend the fire. Our youngest litter, Varjak, Jay, Jethro, and Jerome, have hardly seen her. They barely even know what she looks like. She would only let that happen if she was ill, very ill. And now, this gentleman. What we saw today confirms my fears. The Contessa is gone. Yes, she's probably gone somewhere, said Father. I'm sure she'll be back. And in the meantime, her gentleman friend is looking after us. He is not her friend, said the elder Paul. I remember him. He came to this house years ago, before any of you were born. He and the Contessa had a terrible argument. He wanted to take us away, but she wouldn't let him. She threw him out in the end, shouting and screaming. It was silent for a moment. Barjack saw Father's eyes glint green in the dark. There was no light in the room but the crackling, flickering fire. This is absurd, said Aunt Junie. She licked her plump paws confidently. We're purebred Mesopotamian blues, the noblest of cats. Nothing bad can happen to us. It's silly to alarm the kittens like this, tutted Mother. They're too young and impressionable to understand anything so serious. They'll go and have nightmares now, you see if they don't. That's right, Father arched his back and stood up. I don't understand the problem. The gentleman is feeding us better than the Contessa ever did, but why is he being so nice to us? said the elder Paul. Fancy food, presents, it's too good to be true. And what about those black cats who gave Varjak a scare? We all know about Varjak and his tales, declared Father. No, I'd say nothing to worry about. I don't believe in those cats, I don't believe the Contessa is dead, and I don't believe this is the same gentleman the elder Paul remembers. He must be getting confused in his old age. There was a murmur of agreement around the room. Varjak couldn't stop himself, he had to speak. I saw the men carry something away, he said. It could have been the Contessa's body. Varjak, hissed Mother, that really is too revolting. She turned to the elder Paul. You see what you've done? But it's true, said Varjak, and so are the cats. They're... Shut up, you stupid insect, snarled Julius. We're the only cats in the Contessa's house. And this is grown-up business, not kitten make-believe. Everyone started to shout at once. The flames roared louder and higher in the fireplace. Listen to me, demanded the elder paw, struggling to regain control. We need to make a plan. If things change in this house, we will have to go outside. Elder Paw, cried Mother, what can you be thinking of? 
Everyone knows the world outside is full of monsters. At least here we're safe from dogs. But we don't even know what dogs are, said the elder paw. This house is the only world we know. This house is the only world we need, said Aunt Junie. The Contessa is fine. Everything will go on as before. Listen to me, pleaded the elder paw. He stepped down off the armchair and into the middle of the room. Father squared up to him. No, you listen to me for a change. His fur bristled. Maybe it's time for someone else to make the decisions in this family. The room was completely still now, except for the raging fire. Shocked at what he was seeing, but unable to look away, Varjak watched the two of them intently. Everyone did. Father began to circle the elder paw, wordless and menacing. He bared his teeth. He looked twice as big, twice as fierce as normal. His shadow danced across the elder paw's body in the firelight. He hissed and strode forwards. The elder paw backed away. Suddenly, he looked tired and old, very old, like the threadbare rug on which he stood. I'm just saying we should think that's enough, blazed Father. This council is over, he turned to face the family. Let's go. There was a rumble of support around the room. Barjack's throat felt dry. He couldn't believe how fast it had happened. One moment the elder Paul was in charge. The next, it was all over. Pure bread, Mesopotamian blues, croaked the elder paw. The family of Jalal, is this what we've sunk to? The council, spat father, is over. Chapter 4 The moment the grown-ups had left the room... Julius turned to Varjak. I know why the Contessa's not here, he said, digging a claw into the toy mouse. It's because she can't stand to look at Varjak's eyes. Jasmine, Jay, Jethro, and Jerome all stood by Julius's side. No one stood by Varjak's side. He was alone and boxed in by the Contessa's empty armchair. Poor Varjak! said Cousin Jasmine, but she was smiling as if it was some kind of joke. Why do you always pick on him? I'm sure he'd rather have green eyes like everyone else. Because they're different, said Jay. The color of danger, added Jethro. He's not one of us, concluded Jerome. Varjak ignored them. He didn't even look at them, staring instead into the fire. The Contessa's not here because she's probably dead. Didn't you hear the elder paw? That's enough, insect, snapped Julius. No one asked you. And how dare you speak in family council? You're a disgrace to the name of Jalal. Julius's tail thudded menacingly on the rug. Very slowly, Varjak looked up and met his big brother's eyes. His own tail started to thud. Is that supposed to scare me? sneered Julius. He towered over Varjak Paul. His claws came out. So did Varjak's. 
Fight! 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 Jade, Jethro, and Jerome crowded round the two of them. Jasmine watched, grooming her fine silver-blue fur. Varjak shook inside, but he didn't show it, didn't back off. He'd never had a real fight, and he knew he didn't stand a chance against Julius. But it was as if something inside him was rising up, something old and strong and buried deep. Who did Julius think he was? Julius, darling, he's only a little kitten, cooed Jasmine in her milk-in-the-morning voice. He's not even a proper Mesopotamian blue, said Julius. He stared at Varjak with devastating green eyes. His pupils were thin slits of scorn, mocking, challenging, daring Varjak to move first. Varjak couldn't. He couldn't even hold the gaze. It was too strong, too sure of itself. Whatever it was that had risen up within him had gone. He turned away and backed down. It was over. Julius had beaten him with just one look, as father had beaten the elder Paul. In the fireplace, the flames sputtered and died. You're the cause of all this trouble, said Julius. Apologize for what you've done. I'm sorry, croaked Varjak. The words were like hot coals in his mouth. And don't ever do it again, or I'll break every bone in your body. Varjak sloped away from the front room, humiliation scorching his cheeks. A disgrace to the name of Jalal. That hurt the most. He didn't care what Julius thought, but Varjak had always felt close to his ancestor, always loved the tales. He couldn't bear the thought of being a disgrace to him. You wait, he said to an imaginary Julius in his head. You just wait. One day I'll show you. There was no one in the hallway. It didn't matter if he was caught going out into the garden now. Things could hardly get any worse. Barjack went up to the back door, nudged the cat flap open, and slid silently out. The garden was a dark, gloomy place, full of gnarled old trees. They'd bent back on themselves, grown inwards and locked together, making a tangled net of knotted wood. It was hard to see the sky through them. Beyond the trees lay the stone wall that enclosed the Contessa's house and garden. It was so high that no one in the family could imagine climbing it, even Varjak, who could sometimes make it halfway up a curtain before mother or father shouted him down. He drank in the cold night air, peered at the massive wall, the tangled branches, and thought he could see a thin white whisker of moon up there, far, far above. Varjak. It was the elder Paul. He was on his own at the bottom of the garden by the crumbling roots of a dying tree. Varjak padded over to join him. I'm sorry, elder Paul, he said. It's my fault, everything that happened. 
but it's true about the black cats. I swear on the name of Jalal, it's true. His grandfather smiled sadly. I know that, he replied, and it's not your fault. Not a bit of it. It's them. They don't even want to think anymore. They sat in silence together in the shadow of the wall. Are you still going to tell me the tale of Jalal's greatest battle? said Varjak after a while. Against Salia of the North? Not tonight, said the elder Paul. I am afraid there are more important things to tell you first. You're still young, but I don't think we have much time. And you're the only one who'll understand. Varjak's skin tingled beneath his fur. Even after what had happened in the council, he was thrilled by his grandfather's words. I'm ready, Elder Paul, he said. Then listen carefully. Jalal only knows what this gentleman's up to. But with the Contessa gone, it's more than we can manage. We have to get help from outside. Isn't the world outside full of monsters? said Varjak. A monster's exactly what we need. A monster called a dog. The tales say they're huge and strong enough to kill a man. Dogs fill the heart with fear with their foul breath and deafening sound. But the tales also say Jalal could talk to them, so there must be a way to get their help, to scare this man away. Mother and father say the tales aren't true. They say they're only stories. Only stories. The elder Paul looked at him. And you believe that? Barjack shook his head. No. Good. Because I'm going to tell you a family secret now, an old one. It goes right back to the beginning. Varjak's mind raced. This was the first he'd heard of any secret. Is it about Jalal? He guessed. The elder Paul smiled in the dark. It is indeed. Everyone knows the tales of Jalal. But his way is a mystery, known only to a few. The way of Jalal. This was something Julius and the others knew nothing about. And the elder Paul was telling him, him and no one else. The way, said the elder Paul, has been passed down through the ages from Paul to Paul. Much of it has been forgotten over the years, lost and corrupted through time. Now only fragments remain. Perhaps the way will help us talk to dogs. Perhaps not. I do not know it all, and I fear I won't have long enough to teach you the parts I know, but it's all we have left. Barjak felt strangely disappointed. Now he knew there was a family secret. He wanted to know it all. What was the point of a secret which was lost? Still, something was better than nothing. Tell me more, Elder Paw. Come closer.
Farjak bent towards him. Closer. He leaned right over, so his ear was by the elder paw's mouth. There are seven skills in the way of Jalal, whispered the elder paw. His breath was warm in the cold night air. We know only three of them. Their names are these. Slow time, moving circles, shadow walking. He recited the skills slowly, in rhythm like poetry. Learn these words and pass them on in turn. Slow time, said Varjak, moving circles, shadow walking. He rolled the words over his tongue like a new taste. Again. Slow time, moving circles, shadow walking. His fur prickled at the strange sounds. Never forget this. Keep the way alive, Varjak Paul. Varjak nodded. The words, Jalal's words, were safe in his head. He would always remember them. Click. The back door swung open. Varjak and the elder Paul looked round. The gentleman was standing there, and by his shiny black shoes there were two sleek black cats. Chapter 5 The temperature seemed to drop. Varjak shivered. I don't like this, whispered the elder Paul. I don't like it one bit. The gentleman pointed at them across the garden. He crouched down to touch the collars on the black cat's necks and whispered something into their ears. Then he turned and went back inside, leaving Varjak and the elder Paul alone with his cats. Varjak's fur bushed out with fear as the cats came slowly, deliberately across the grass towards them. There was something so strange, so menacing about the way they moved. Who are you? called the elder Paul. They didn't answer. They just kept coming. Varjak and his grandfather backed away, but there wasn't far to go. In a few steps, they were up against the wall as far from the house as they could get. Varjak's pulse was racing. He remembered how the gentleman's cats had pushed him aside so easily. It looked like nothing in the world could stop them now. He scratched at his collar. It felt tight around his neck. Varjak, said the elder paw urgently, but without a hint of worry in his voice, I think someone as brave as you could climb this wall and go outside, don't you? Varjak glanced up. The stone was concealed by moss, but there was no hiding the wall's height. It was massive. Don't worry, said the elder paw. You'll have time. I'll see to that. I'll have time? Varjak's head swam. What was the elder paw saying? That he should go outside on his own? But can't we both? No, we can't. Only one of us can get out. I'll keep them busy. You must go outside and find a dog. You're not going to fight them, are you? They'll, they'll... The elder paw took a pace towards the black cats. In his eyes was a fire Varjak had never seen before. 
Go, bring back this thing that even men are scared of, and keep the way alive, Vajakpaw. The cats had stopped. They were looking at the elder paw as if they were waiting for him. The elder paw growled at them. Varjak's head hurt. He was being torn apart by a thousand different feelings. The elder paw strode forward to meet the gentleman's cats, tail held high, green eyes blazing. Go, Varjak, before it's too late. Don't look back. This is the only way. He looked fierce and magnificent. The tired old cat of the council was gone. Now he was a son of Jalal, facing his enemy, proud and powerful. A Mesopotamian blue. Go, he yelled, and hurled himself at the black cats. They nodded as he came, as if it was all too easy. The elder paw ran straight at them, but then he seemed to shimmer for a moment, and went through the gap between them and came out the other side. The two black cats span around. The elder paw was just out of their reach. They glanced at each other and went after him. Varjak's heart thumped in his throat. His grandfather was leading them away, through the trees, back towards the house. He was taking them further and further from Varjak, with quick wits and cunning, a flash of silver-blue. The black cats were faster. They moved together perfectly. Each one looked sleek and lethal. How could the elder paw fight two together? Already he was slowing down, still proud but old and short of breath. And the black cats were closing in, one on each side. They'd catch him soon. Even if they didn't, what could he do against a gentleman ten times his size? What could any cat do, or even a whole family? The elder paw was right. The only chance was to find a dog. His grandfather was doing what he had to. Now it was all up to Varjak. His mind on fire, Varjak tore his eyes from the garden and turned to the wall. It separated the world he knew from the world outside. No paw had been over that wall since Jalal himself came from Mesopotamia, but it was the only way out. He took a deep breath, coiled his body tight. One last glance over his shoulder. No, the black cats had caught the elder paw. They had him backed against the house. They came at him from both sides. He slashed out, but together they swarmed on top of him and forced him to the ground. There was a terrible howl. The black cats came away, shaking their heads. And the elder paw, the elder paw looked limp, like a broken toy. There was a roaring in Varjak's ears. His stomach churned. Everything inside him screamed at him to stay, to fight, to help the only cat who ever understood him. But the elder paw's words echoed in his mind, Go before it's too late. He turned to the wall. Three, two, one. Vardek exploded into motion. Back legs uncoiled, front paws reached out for a grip, found it, back legs pushed, pumped, powered up, up, and like the wind, Varjak paw flew up the face of the wall, up through the trees, higher than the curtains, higher than the house, up, beginning to tire, muscles aching, vision blurring, how much further, up, grip after grip, paw over paw, slipping, latched onto a ledge, heaved, and made it to the top of the wall. Outside, for the first time since Jalal, a paw stood on the edge of the world.
Chapter 6 Varjak could see for miles and miles. There were no walls or trees to block his view anymore. Just open space, rippling out ahead of him, beneath him, above him. He was standing in space, and it was a long way to fall. He peered down the inside of the wall. He could see nothing through the trees. The gentleman's cats and the elder paw were hidden by the tangled net of branches. There was no way back. He was truly on his own. Had he done the right thing? Shouldn't he have helped his grandfather? He couldn't get that picture out of his mind. The elder paw, limp, like a broken toy. Tremors were coming up from somewhere deep within him, racking him open. Varjak blocked them, stopped them, pushed them back down. The elder paw knew what he was doing. He'd planned it. He was willing to lay down his life so Varjak could have the chance to go outside and find a dog. All he could do now was go on. But where? Ahead of him was a sea of lights stretching far away into the darkness. Varjak couldn't tell what they were or where they led. He looked up another sea of lights, the moon and stars, cold and distant. They made him giddy in the pit of his stomach, so dizzy that he could almost feel the wall slip out from under him. He closed his eyes and counted to ten. They didn't work. The view was too big. He was too small. A purebred Mesopotamian blue had no place on top of a wall. But then, as his family said, he wasn't much of a blue. So who was he? Beneath that giant sky he was no one. He was nothing. Varjak's stomach lurched. He was going to be sick if he stayed on the wall any longer. Down, he had to get down, and quickly. The black cats would be looking for him, but how? He couldn't climb down the wall. It was sheer. He'd overbalance and crash if he tried. There was a tree outside the wall, just one. He could climb down a tree if he could only make it that far. He stretched out a paw. His pad zipped on the wet moss that cloaked the stone. He clung on with his claws and regained his balance. A blast of bitterly cold wind almost pushed him over the edge. Another wave of giddiness washed over him. The wind seemed to taunt him with its song. Too high, it sang, too high, too soon. Barjack tried to shut it out, but the song was everywhere. You've gone too high, too soon. You'll never make it to that tree. He ignored it, positioned his tail for extra balance, and took another step along the mossy stone. It was like walking on ice, treacherous, impossible. In his mind, he saw himself slip, slide, skid off that wall, smash to pieces on the ground below. He shuddered. Think of something else, he told himself. Think of the way. What was it? Slow time, moving circles, shadow walking. Varjak staggered towards the tree.
Too high, whistled the wind. Slow time, he yelled back. He wasn't going to let the wind beat him. Moving circles, he wasn't going to let the wall beat him. Shadow walking, because he was Varjak Paw, and he knew the way. Varjak walked the wall like he'd been walking walls all his life. He was light and springy on his paws. It worked. The way actually worked. He wasn't dizzy anymore. He didn't feel sick. I'd like to see Julius do this, he thought. Now he just had to step into the tree, and he could climb down easily. He'd done the hard part. Varjak grinned and pounced onto the nearest branch. Crack! Falling! Didn't test it! Stupid! The wind whipped into his face as he fell towards the ground. He closed his eyes, and everything went black. Chapter 7 Varjak dreamed. He dreamed he was walking by a river in the heat of the night. Zigzag trees swayed in the warm breeze. The air smelled like cinnamon and tasted of ripe dates. He looked up. The stars were different. They sparkled big and bright in a brilliant sky. An old cat with silver-blue fur like starlight walked beside him. He looked like a Mesopotamian blue, but he wore no collar, and his eyes were amber like the rising sun. Welcome to the land of your ancestors, said the old cat. Welcome to Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia? Where Jalal came from? Jalal the Paul. Yes, indeed. This was his home in olden days. Barjak's pulse beat a little faster. Did you know Jalal? he said. And if I did? Then I'd ask you questions. Are the tales true? Could he really talk to dogs? And, and what would he think of me? The old cat cackled. What a question. Why should that matter to you? Barjak looked away. My family says I'm a disgrace to the name of Jalal. They say I'm not a proper, purebred Mesopotamian blue. Oh, and what say you? Are you worthy of your ancestors or not? No, said Varjak quietly. He hung his head. I'm not. What if you knew the secret way of Jalal? Would you then be a proper, purebred Mesopotamian blue? Varjak smiled sadly, remembering the elder paw. I already know about the way, and I feel just the same. You know the way? How impressive. Perhaps you will demonstrate. Strike me. The old cat stopped walking. He blocked Varjak's path. He wasn't big, but something about him looked dangerous. Varjak stepped back a pace. Strike me, he commanded again. His amber eyes flashed. Strike me now, or die where you stand. Well, if that was what he wanted, why not? 
Varjak swiped gently at the mad old cat, meaning to tap him on the side, but somehow he didn't connect. His paw sailed through the air and thudded harmlessly on the ground. Varjak frowned. How could he have missed? The old cat combed his whiskers. Am I too quick for you? he challenged. Is this the way of Jalal? I think you know nothing, little kitten. Strike me again. This was becoming annoying. Now Vajak wanted to hit him, hit him hard. He decided to give it his best shot. There was no way he could miss. He slammed out a silver-blue paw, missed completely, and lost his balance. Those alien stars twinkled at him with silent laughter as he rolled onto the riverbank. He sprang up again, furious. Once more, goaded the old cat. Varjak's frustration boiled over. He lashed out. His paw flapped stupidly in space, and he toppled to the ground. He kicked with his back legs, but he was fighting himself now, and he knew it. He was beaten. His elderly opponent peered down at him. I thought the first attack rather half-hearted he said, as if they were having a friendly chat about the weather. The third was crude and clumsy, as you know. The second showed potential, yes, but it was slow, terribly slow. Still you have spirit, if you wish to learn the way, the true way. Only ask, and I will teach you. Varjak couldn't speak. The words stuck in his throat. He felt ashamed and embarrassed. It was obvious that this old cat knew far more about the way than him. But he couldn't bring himself to admit it. His pride wouldn't allow it. The old cat shrugged. Farewell, then. He began to walk away. Something shifted inside Varjak like a locked door opening. Wait, he called. The old cat turned about. His body shimmered in the warm breeze. Don't go, said Varjak. I, I want to learn the way. The old cat smiled. Very well, then I shall teach you. We begin now. He cleared his throat. There are seven skills in the way of Jalal. The first of these is open mind and you have just found its secret. For only when you admit that you know nothing can you truly know anything. Varjak's eyes widened as the words sank in. Who are you? Do you still not know me, my son? Jalal? Jalal the paw, that am I, he winked. Believe none of the tales. Chapter 8 Varjak awoke at the foot of the wall. His head was pounding, his paws aching. It wasn't quite light yet, but the night was almost over. The fall from the tree must have knocked him out. What a dream! He wondered if he'd ever have another like it. 
He shivered. It was cold out in the open, and the grass beneath his body was wet. He stood up, shook the moisture from his fur, and looked around. The view cleared his head instantly. Outside was like nothing he'd seen or even dreamed of. The Contessa's house stood on top of a high hill. Beneath it was a broad green park. Beyond it, away in the distance, was a city. Stretched out under the open sky, shining like silver in the pre-dawn light, the city was a huge, mad jumble of shapes and sizes. It had tall towers, gleaming steel and glass, but also squat brick houses, dark with chimney smoke. Wide-open gardens jostled with narrow alleys, sharp, pointy spires topped soft, curved domes. Concrete blocks loomed over bright, painted billboards. They were all in there together, side by side, each one part of the whole. There was so much he couldn't take it in. All he could hear from here was the wind rustling through the treetops, but down in the city it looked noisy and bustling, a place that never went to sleep. His whiskers twitched with a mix of energy, excitement, danger. His heart beat faster just looking at it. It seemed like a city where anything could happen, and probably did. A place you could do whatever you liked, and no one would stop you where you'd be able to find everything you wanted, even a dog. The terror of the night before, the fight with the gentleman's cats, it seemed a long time ago and very far away. There was sadness in his heart for the elder paw, deep sadness, but his grandfather had trusted him with a mission. It was his duty as a blue to save the family, and Varjak intended to see it through. He ventured down the hill. It was steeper than it looked, and soon he found himself running, almost rolling down the slope. But it was joy to stretch out in the open. A splash of sunshine lit the horizon. He'd never seen a sunrise before, and the sky outside was alive with streaks of amber light. The sky flashed past his eyes as he sped up, sprinted to the bottom. He bounded over a fence at the foot of the hill and into the park. Around this time, back in the Contessa's house, the family would be waking up and licking each other clean. Varjak grinned. He hated washing, and already there was a satisfying build-up of mud between his claws. Next, the family would obediently munch their food out of china bowls. It would be the gentleman's vile-smelling caviar today. But now that he was outside, he wouldn't have to eat anything he didn't like. He could choose what to eat and when to eat. After eating, the family would go to their litter trays. Ha! Varjak crouched by a tree. No litter tray for him today. It felt good. It felt natural. It felt, he thought, like it ought to feel. This was how it would be in the future. It was going to be the best time of his life. He'd return from the city with a dog, whatever a dog was, and defeat the gentleman and his strange black cats. Then he'd lead his family out of that stuffy old house into this wonderful new world. They'd all say he was a proper Mesopotamian blue, a true son of Jalal. 
They'd offer him every kind of honor and reward, but he'd turn them down. I did it for the glory of the family, he'd say humbly, and they would cheer him even more. Varjak wandered further and further in his happy days. He barely noticed the fiery shades of sunrise burn out, leaving a sky the color of cold ashes. A violent sound cut through his thoughts. It was like shrieking and roaring at the same time, and it scared him. The sound came from a black road that circled the park in the distance. He crept towards it, ears pressed against his skull, and then he saw them. It was a column of fearsome monsters. They were rolling down the road, roaring at each other and everything around them. Huge monsters made of metal with sharp edges all around. They had yellow eyes at the front and red eyes at the back. They moved on round black wheels, which turned so fast it made Varjak dizzy, and they belched a trail of choking smoke behind them on the wind. Could these be dogs? What were the Elder Paw's words? These monsters were big enough to kill a man. Their breath was foul, their sound was deafening, and they filled his heart with fear. This was it. He was sure they were dogs. He'd found them. A hard, tight ball of terror formed in Varjak's stomach. How was he supposed to talk to these monsters? They didn't look as if they'd stop for anyone, let alone a kitten. As he edged closer to the procession of metal beasts, all his happy thoughts about the future faded like a false sunrise. Slow time, moving circles, shadow walking. He shook his head. How were those words supposed to help? Why had the Elder Paw trusted him with such an impossible mission? Why hadn't he chosen someone older and stronger, someone like Julius? Julius might know what to do with a dog. Varjak did not. The quest was too hard. It was impossible. The ball of terror in his stomach turned into a heavy lump of despair. A drop of rain splattered on his shoulder. Varjak grimaced. He hated water on his fur. At home, he would rush in through the cat door as soon as the weather changed. If only he could do that now. He glanced at the high hill behind him. He couldn't see the house from here. A gust of wind sliced across his face. The sky darkened. A storm was coming. He could feel it. Shelter. That was what he needed. Once he was safe from the storm, he could think about the dogs. But there was no shelter in this wide open park. There were only trees. Solitary trees with no leaves swaying in the wind. They wouldn't keep him warm and dry. The sky darkened. The wind cut through his coat. Varjak could clearly see each blade of grass, each fallen leaf, trembling alone before the storm. Shelter. He had to find shelter and fast. Rain came down from the darkening sky, thick, wet rain that dripped into his fur, weighing him down with water. He tried to shake it off, but once it started, the rain kept coming. His family were right. Outside was no place for a cat. It was no place at all. In the distance, behind the naked, shivering trees, he glimpsed something that he'd missed before. A small wooden hut. A shelter. He fought his way towards it. 
The rain whipped into his eyes. The wind pushed him back one step for every two he took. The ground was turning into a churning sea of mud. His paws slipped and sloshed wildly. Splash! Varjak fell into a pool of oozing mud. Dark, dirty water seeped out of his mouth. He was covered in brown and green slime. He could feel it squelching all around him, soaking into his skin. The wind howled at him like a wounded animal. Too far, it howled. You've gone too far. A claw of white light slashed the belly of the sky. There was a moment of horrible silence. Then the earth juddered with thunder, shaking beneath him as if it would break in two. Help me, Jalal, he cried, but only the sky answered, bellowing again with angry thunder, making him wish he hadn't spoken. Varjak wiped the slime from his eyes and dragged himself to the hut. It smelled of soggy timber and had no windows, only a door. The door was closed. He pushed. It moved, but only a crack. Desperate, he flung himself at the flimsy wood that stood between him and shelter from the storm, and the door swung open. This ends Disc 1.